And welcome into a new episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Thanks so much for joining us here on today's program. While drought continues to play a big role in factors impacting the beef cattle sector in many states, Oklahoma State University Extension Livestock Marketing Specialist Dr. Daryl Peel says while drought is better in Texas and Oklahoma, those conditions in other major beef cow states might hinder the rebuilding of the cow herd. We've still got drought in Kansas, parts of Missouri, parts of Nebraska. You know, the, the question from the broader market is, is have we sort of reduced that overall drought picture nationally to a point where drought is not really driving uh, the overall cattle numbers as much, certainly for producers that are caught in that. Missouri, for instance, is facing 81% moderate drought or worse versus 40% last year. Kansas currently facing 82 percent moderate drought or worse compared to 47 percent last year. Oklahoma's now at 23 percent moderate drought or worse, down from a year ago at 62 percent. In Texas, moderate drought or worse is at 31 percent, down from last year's 93 percent. Peel says for now it's important for cattle producers to closely watch the market for signals. It looks to me like we're at a point now where the overall, for example, the cow culling numbers might not reflect the impact of the drought nationally so much as it has in the past. Now, I say that we haven't really seen that yet. Beef cow slaughter, for example, is down this year about 12 percent. That's a sharp drop from last year. But honestly, in terms of stopping liquidation and stabilizing this cow herd, it really needs to drop more than that. Now, depending on the location, Peel adds some producers are going to start thinking about proactively planning to move forward with rebuilding. We've seen so much dynamics this year. Obviously, the prices are higher. The market's beginning to send those signals that we probably are smaller than we need to be, that we need to rebuild some. I think we've got a lot of strong markets ahead of us, not only for this year, but for the next couple of years as we go forward. And Peel says some producers may be in a position to start planning and be proactive on how to approach the market going forward. Again, that's comments with Dr. Daryl Peel from Oklahoma State University. Well, United States egg production totaled $9.08 billion during June of this year. That's up 4% from the same time last year. USDA's monthly chicken and eggs report shows production included 7.78 billion table eggs and 1.3 billion hatching eggs, of which 1.2 billion were broiler type and 95.8 million were egg type. The average number of layers during June 2023 totaled 387 million, up 5% from last year. Now, June egg production per 100 layers was 2,348 eggs. That's down 1% from June of last year. Total layers in the United States on July 1, 2023 were 386 million, up 5% from last year. The 386 million layers consisted of 317 million layers producing table or market type eggs, 65 million layers were producing broiler type hatching eggs, and 3.69 million layers were producing egg type hatching eggs. Now, rate of lay per day on July 1 of this year averaged 78.5 eggs per 100 layers. That's down 1% from July 1st of last year. Well, Bears adjusted its full-year outlook for 2023 downward this week, mainly due to a significant further decline in sales of glyphosate-based products. For full-year 2023, Bayer now anticipates sales of between 48.5 billion and 49.5 billion euros, or roughly $54 billion in U.S. funds. The company also adjusted its forecast for core earnings per share to between 620 and 640 in euros, which was previously forecasted at 720 to 740 in euros. 
Now, Bayer already guided towards the lower end of its group sales and earnings forecast for this year. Further price declines and lower volumes due to channel destocking, especially for glyphosate-based products, as well as adverse weather conditions have increased pressure. Now, based on the anticipated market development, in particular with respect to the glyphosate business, Bayer also expects to record a goodwill impairment of approximately 2.5 billion euros. This will result in negative group net income of approximately 2 billion euros for the second quarter of 2023. Well, the United States Senate passed an amendment offered by U.S. Senator Mike Rounds that bans foreign adversaries from purchasing American farmland and agricultural businesses. The amendment, Rounds 813, will be included in the Senate version of the Fiscal Year 2024 National Defense Authorization Act. The amendment passed by a vote of 91 to 7. Rounds said, quote, China and Russia are our near-peer adversaries, and North Korea and Iran are no friends of the United States. These four adversaries view America as their top competitor and only wish to gain advantage and opportunities to surveil our nation's capabilities and resources. This common-sense provision will make our homeland more secure. I am pleased this amendment was included in this year's NDAA, and I look forward to working with my colleagues to move this legislation across the finish line, end quote. Now, specifically, Round's amendment would prohibit China, Russia, North Korea, and Iran from purchasing U.S. farmland and agricultural companies, add the Secretary of Agriculture as an ex-official member of the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States, or CFIUS, to consider agriculture needs when making determinations affecting our national security, and require the President to submit a report to Congress on any waiver granted to a prohibited country. And also here on today's program, the Waters Advocacy Coalition this week sent recommendations to the Environmental Protection Agency and the Army Corps of Engineers regarding the final Waters of the United States rule as it relates to the Supreme Court decision in Sackett versus EPA. Courtney Briggs, American Farm Bureau Federation Senior Director of Government Affairs, says the coalition is a multi-industry alliance based in Washington, D.C. We have about 45 trade organizations that represent a large portion of the national economy. We are everything from farming and agriculture to construction to manufacturing, energy development, transportation infrastructure, and and recreation. So we cover a large gamut of the national economy. The letter outlines the recommendations the coalition would like to see in a new WOTUS rule. The agencies have stated that they intend to make surgical fixes, and it appears that the agencies will forego public comment and stakeholder engagement and take the rule that they finalized earlier this year and simply strike language from the rule related to significant nexus as well as the definition of adjacency. So we are simply reminding the agencies that that is not a defensible response to SACIT or an appropriate approach to the rulemaking. And Briggs expects a new final rule within a couple of months. The agencies are using their good cause exemption to bypass the formal rulemaking process, which will allow them to finalize this rule at lightning speed. So they have said that they will have a finalized rule complete before September 1st. And our fear is that the agencies aren't going to make all the necessary changes to ensure that this rule respects the holding in second. And once again, that is Courtney Briggs, Senior Director of Government Affairs with the American Farm Bureau Federation, talking about the upcoming changes to the WOTUS rule by EPA and the Army Corps of Engineers. Well, we are out of time here on today's episode of American Ag Today. If you have story ideas for the program, please send them my way. 
Email's the best. Jesse Allen at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Again, that is J-E-S-S-E-A-L-L-E-N at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Just shoot me an email with your story idea, and we'll see if it's something that fits here on American Ag Today. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jesse Allen. Have a great rest of your day.